0: Yes, now welcome back to episode 55 and if me and Harry are a bit quieter in this episode is because the time zones of this one's making it very intriguing because as you can see our guest on below has got nice sunshine and well it's pitch black out there but first of all before we introduce our very very special guest, Harry, how you doing?
1: Yes, yeah very well thank you Ronnie, I was just saying to you before we come on here that I feel like it's the middle of the night for us, I feel like should be tucked up in bed um, but no yeah not doing too badly thank you mate, very excited for this one, how are you?
0: Yeah, I can't complain. Um, Just finishing watching Erling Haaland score five in the Champions League as of recording this, and uh, less said, the better of that. But I will move on to our very, very special guest, joining us all the way from the other side of the world, quite literally. As of recording this, it's seven hours early. So he's in the past. We're in the future. But the one and only Troy from Trike, 415 cards. Obviously, I'm representing the area as well in this video, so it has to be done. So, Troy. Welcome to the Top Load podcast and thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. And, and thanks for letting me know about those Holland goals. Obviously, I'm in the past, so I'll I'll play some bets on that. And then easy money. Simple as that.
0: <laughs> yeah, buy a couple of his cards again just in case. Just in yeah. case for some reason no one knows about him.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh yeah, no, I'm I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for staying up late. I know it's it's later for you guys, so thanks for making this happen.
0: No, we, we we always wanted to get you on. I remember the first time we met in London. I think that's actually probably the perfect way to start. Before we delve into how you started with cards and obviously your card content, how was it flying halfway across the world to look at some cardboard?
2: Um, it was crazy. I mean, it's definitely like nothing I ever thought I'd be able to do. You know what I mean? I w- I would just say it was it was great. I'd never been to London before. That was my that was my first time ever going to London. So it was just cool. It was the experience. Literally. It was like, I, I kept when the first night we went, we went to the pub and we were in there <laughs> and hanging out everyone, the accents, the beers. And I literally kept saying, to it, it felt like we were in a movie, I guess. Cause I had just consumed so much media and like, like, you know, it felt like it was like the, the, Oh, Oh, okay sorry <laughs> i think it's live percent but it felt like i was like in the in-betweeners or something like that honestly so it's just it was it was it was it was surreal man so it, it was cool that was a great experience
0: yeah so same experience in london for the first time and especially obviously now it's grown a lot over here in the card world so seeing a card show as well was kind of ticking off two boxes at once you're seeing a new country a new city but then also experiencing a whole different new world of the card hobby that Obviously it's still very new here. And could you tell that when you did walk into the show to begin with, that obviously it's a newer, newer thing over here? Because if you compare it to obviously, like you say, Burbanks, your Dallas's, I won't even say the nationals, because that's a different world altogether. But is it does it remind you of the hobby a couple of years ago in the States? Or is it just a case of it's like completely different?
2: Um, it definitely reminded me of like early pandemic days, like the beginning of the kind of the card hobby in the US. But yeah, no, literally right off the bat. I knew it was different. I had a card out, you know, a, a, it wasn't a credit, like, a, let's just say it's a sun prism mojo 2018 PSI 10, something like that. Someone walked up He's like, how much, how much for the sun? And I was like, Oh, a hundred dollars. And he goes, okay. And I was like, okay. Okay. What he's like, here you go. Here's a hundred dollars. I was like, that's it. No, no haggling, no half trade, half cash. No, I can offer you 20 bucks here's the <laughs> comms. Here's my alt spreadsheet where I graphed it and showed you it's worth 25. Like I literally was shocked. I was like, I just said my price and they paid it. Like it's, it's, it's a way different experience, man. And like I said, I'm sure we'll get into it more, all the differences, but literally like I, I, I was like, okay, what, like, I didn't know what he was saying, like right off the bat. And And to be fair, that is kind of what it was like at the beginning in the U S like people were just having fun, a lot more collecting and, and, you know, Sorry, I'm skipping all over the place. Like good, there's good and bad to things being optimized. Like we have, we have more shows, we have easier access to grading and stuff like that. But I, it definitely felt more more wholesome is the word I would use in the UK. It's Just everyone's there. everyone was just so excited to be there, have fun, be around cards.
0: I think that's put perfectly. If we now just throw it back, and I know Harry's going to take over this bit as we talk about your venture into the hobby and content creation. So Harry, take it away, my friend.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think a good starting point is sort of the way you got into collecting and into the hobby. Um, you know, everyone has their different outlets, their different sort of intros as to what got them into collecting cards. Um, but I guess for you, Troy, what is it that actually got you into into the hobby and collecting collecting cards? Yeah, originally it was when I was a kid. I mean, that's I would say it's a pretty I would
2: say the majority of kids collected cards in some capacity growing up. It was um, two thousand three. I remember it was like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Carmelo, that, that rookie year. And my parents, I think my parents actually brought it up randomly. They're like, oh, you you and your friends, we should, let's go and try to see if we can get some LeBron James rookie cards. I heard that's a big thing going on. Like, you want to go to the card shop? We can open up a, a couple packs. And I was like, okay, sounds fun. Um, so we did that. I, I don't think I ever hit, I really, I might've hit one LeBron rookie card, but it was from like the set that was like only him so I never really hit a true LeBron James rookie card um, but that that really got me into it and then since then I collected pretty strongly during those days I traded I was really into American football cards during that time interestingly enough which is probably the thing I do the least now Um, but yeah that was that was the big thing you know just chasing LeBron James rookie cards then ripping packs and then I remember for Christmas waiting to get to get the boxes and stuff like that that was really my intro to card collecting and as I guess, the rest has been history since then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little <laughs> bit. I mean, so it's it's definitely it's definitely a a longer road than that. I mean, I so of course, yeah. I, I took the a break like most people did uh, in high school. You know, not really collecting cards in college. It's funny. Like I, I almost wish I had had that experience. Like some of my some of my friends now who are these big time guys who work at you know like the alts and the goldens of the world and stuff like that they were still doing it in college and they were saying like, they were like, I think ashamed might be a little bit strong of a word, but like they told me they used to like hide their cards deep, deep under their bed. So none of their college friends would come over and see it. Like it was like this like shameful secret they had. Um, and now, and now it's kind of cool. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how that works. I mean, obviously I don't know how far we get into it, but got back
1: into the hobby and then a lot has happened since then. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You sort of think to some people collecting cards as such may seem as a a younger generation type of hobby or, you know, something you'd do as a kid. So I guess to some people it would be the element of, oh, I can't let anyone find out, that like I I collect cards or, you know, to make sure that everything's hidden away. So nothing's on show when my, my friends come over or anything like that. So it's funny to see how the evolution of it has been to then now where you've got people of all ages in, you know, a massive room together collecting the same thing so it's, it's it's really good to see how everything has evolved i guess over time since since then um mm-hmm. but obviously you know you're very now focused on youtube and making content obviously everything around card shows obviously when you visited london as well um what made you want to start your own youtube channel about your journey within the hobby yeah it was it basically started
2: because i i don't know how do how do i explain this it's out now I'm about to say it about seems bad coming out of my mouth but (laughs) I didn't see the I didn't see the content out there that I like kind of wanted you know at the time there was like I think there was literally like four YouTube channels I can really think of it was like Jeff Wilson um, personal finance dad and hobby box I don't know if those might have even been before you guys got it (laughs) but it was three and they kind of talked about similar it was okay here's here's how I'll explain it it was the content I was seeing was either super numbers focused like it was like they were looking at graphs and oh $50 like it was super numbers focused or purely collecting focused. it was like you know I I bought my Joe Montana rookie card and man I I love this card blah 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 and I was like for me I kind of enjoyed cards and I also enjoyed you know, making money and stuff like that. But I didn't want it to be so far in, in both directions. So I wanted to kind of make something that was like, more fun, but also like, you know, talk about strategy and, and things I was kind of doing in like a fun way. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I just kind of saw like, a, a void there that I thought I could fill. And it was during the pandemic. And you know, you're kind of bored anyway. So I was like, you know, I was also sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm all over the place in this interview. But like, I, I was in the Philippines at the time I was playing basketball. So I really had nothing to do. It's like I my practice was nine to 11 in the morning. And then it was like, geez, what do I do now? And yeah, like my girlfriend at the time, actually, she's like, just do it. Just try it. Just try it. So I tried it. And then it's kind of been a crazy ride since then.
1: Yeah, but Seth, it's great, especially for a sort of a UK perspective to really have a good insight into these big american shows like your burbanks like your nationals like your dallas where you know for most of us we're not don't have the availability to go over to these shows and see what they're like in person so i know for me personally watching these youtube videos that you know you make at dallas and stuff like that it gives you know us a lot of great insight into seeing what these u.s shows are like compared to the shows we currently have obviously in in the uk and the scale that you know we can obviously hope for that that will come in within the uk um Mm -hmm. also you know you mentioned within that about the pandemic yeah when you look back to the start of the pandemic and during the pandemic what the the hobby was like what the card sort of a whole hobby as a as a whole was like how do you think that has changed since the start and during to where we are now oh i mean
2: how much time do we have like everything (laughs) everything has changed and i'm going to kind of like sneak in a point i want to make that's like somewhat relevant but like things have just changed a lot like something people will always you know something that happens is like they'll criticize like oh i can't believe this youtuber gave this advice this was so stupid like i think about advice at the time that i stand by was good advice like if you wanted to flip cards the best thing to do would be buy a base prism psa 9 wait a month and sell it that was the best thing to do because there was so it was just tracking up and up and up and up um and, you know, so a lot of times I was, I had like RPAs or autos or kind of like nicer, more rare cards and they wouldn't move because everyone was just looking for that liquidity. Like it was like slab stocks. Like that's what it was. Those base Pri- Prism PSA 9s was what everyone wanted. So, and a lot of times you would miss your moment if you didn't have that type of card. So like at the time that some of the stuff I said, I was like, Hey, you know, maybe ignore this auto, the base Prism PSA 9 might do better. Now, if at this current point in time, if you're buying a base Prism PSA 9, I I can say with confidence, no matter what happens, I'm not sure it's possible for you to make money. Like even if someone goes and scores five goals or or drops 40 points, like those things just don't really go up anymore. So, I mean, I I would say just in general, like the, the, the game has changed. The strategy has changed, but I mean, obviously the main one is like, it was so much hysteria flipping FOMO during the pandemic where now things are a lot more
1: calm. Like it's not, it's not rushed and crazy. Like it was before. Yeah, definitely. I think you pretty much hit the hit the nail on the head there, in, in most aspects. So, I'll um, Ronnie, I'll hand it back over to you.
0: I was just saying, I say, I perfectly want to ask. It. We see it, we see it a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, and with the longer return times for PSA, we've now seen like a junk slab, so to speak. Now that you like you say, the prism nines, hmm. there's there's such a high quantity of, and at one point, like you say, they were going for good money during the pandemic, but now you're seeing slabs go from anything from free. Dollars upwards um I think that is one of the clearest things for me that I've seen that the hobby has changed in a way that they're not just sending anything off the way I remember people sending off literally poles this bigger Don Ross just to get graded based Neymar's Ronaldo's Messi's do you think that's another thing now that the hobby's learned that it's great to get these things slapped but is it really worth it now looking at it, obviously PSA did put their prices up if you weren't in the collector's club so do you think that's a massive TED as well? Now, seeing all these slabs going for pretty much nothing.
2: Yeah. it's it, And it's still, I'm still realizing that every day. That's actually something I've been thinking about lately. Like, I'll, I'll, um look, I mean, he's probably not watching this, but I was working out a deal with a guy the other day and he wanted to buy like some of my Sancho cards. And um, granted, his offer was, I think, pretty low. It was like seven Sancho cards for a graded PSA 10s for like $150. And then I told him I was like, oh, man, like the Genesis alone is worth that. Like, there's no way I can do that. And then I was talking to someone later and I went and checked like the Sancho Genesis PSA 10 from 2020 is went for thirty nine dollars on auction. And I just couldn't because I like I was kind of ready to like tell that guy off. I didn't. I was just like, oh, no, <laughs> man, I don't think I could do that. But then I looked. I was like, geez, like he was still off. Let's be fair. Like it, it probably would be like maybe like 250 would have been a fair offer but still i if you had told me like oh 250 is fair for those slabs i never would have believed you but like that's what stuff goes for now um yeah I'm, I'm being a lot more before it was like even even just a couple months ago i was like all right whatever it is i'm gonna send it in you know uh you know even a, i have like a gold a gold sala raw right now stadium club chrome and like in my head i'm like that's an automatic grade like you shouldn't even think about it. like it just goes in but then I look at the comps, I'm like, oh, oh, geez, you know, a 10 of this might only go for 50 bucks if I auction it. So if you're paying even at $19 for grading, you know, whatever, just tack on five bucks, maybe for shipping and stuff like that. It's like, oh, geez, you're telling me I get a 10, a gold Sala PSA 10, I'm, I may lose money. Like that's, the game has changed. The game has completely changed. And there's benefits, you know, people aren't submitting as much anymore. So you can get cards quicker. But yeah, I've, I've definitely... I have a lot. One of the things I do, like you mentioned, is a lot of PSA reveal videos, and I've definitely had to kind of reconsider exactly what I'm going to be sending them.
0: I was watching one of yours the other day, and it's like, especially Brian as well, seeing some of the stuff that he's been getting graded, like, especially on his whatnot mm. streams. And it's now people are really looking into the sets. Obviously, it's great looking, yeah. like you say, the Stadium Club Chrome is a lovely set, but the actual value weight of it is it what it's like if you throw it back to, like, a 2017 Champions League Chrome, for example, it completely changes the ball game because that's a set now that a year ago people were buying, but not as well. The prices didn't show it. But I've seen definitely some on your channel. That's the kind of set now that people need to get graded. And I think we had the same effect as well with Panini treble that at mm. one point no one really had it. It was all raw. And now you're seeing, like, a Lionel Messi to 10 go for three to four thousand dollars is it just now that people are learning not more about cards in general but actually what sets to invest in because there's some good sets from five six years ago that still just get overlooked
2: yeah i mean that's that's a good point and it's something i i kind of was saying even you know i was making soccer card videos in like 2020 and it's the truth. I was like, it's the wild, wild west. Like there's no rules, you know, like that's the, I think the Panini trouble and Topps Chrome 2017 stuff could really only happen. Well, not only in soccer, but only in a new market, right? Like in baseball, you're not going to see a certain set from full, when is trouble 2018, like five years ago, just increase 10 X or 20 X or whatever it's done. Like there's a long history of like the Bowman Chrome is that's the card and Topps Chrome has the heritage and stuff like that, where in soccer like this is all brand new like the like pretty I would say like pretty much any type of treating these cards as any type of investment in soccer has literally only existed for like two years okay I mean sure someone could say to me oh people were buying messy but you know what I'm trying to say like it wasn't people weren't buying selling trading really soccer cards besides this last two years so that's the reason you see so much stuff moving all the time you know the Ronaldo and Messi gap has like totally shifted. Like top score 2017 is a huge thing now. Treble, like, and, it, and I think it still might kind of happen, right? Like we, one of the things we always talk about is like, how much should a Zidane card be worth? Or like, you know, people recognize that oh iniesta this certain rookie of card of his like once the pop reports kind of shake out this one rookie of his is actually a million times more rare than the mundi chromo like stuff is still going to shake because because this is so new people are still figuring things out
0: uh i don't agree i think that's one thing i love about the soccer industry was when i look at the baseball one especially obviously a lot of people now are looking at the big old vintage cars they're really getting in popular especially like the 1950s cards but -hmm. then if you flip that over to soccer it is like it's literally the wild west that people don't even know some sets what they're even called not alone what someone's rookie is so i know it's obviously a tangent we could talk forever about the difference between vintage and modern and pre-modern yeah but that is a whole different world that is really only being scratched on still that you've got some of the biggest legends of all time and people actually don't even know what their actual rookie is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I I actually just got some cards graded recently. Like it's like Stanley Matthews from like, I think it's like the thirties or I have a lot of soccer cards from like the fifties and stuff like that. And it's just, man, it's just interesting. Like I see the prices and the pop reports and and some things like, I, I don't understand it at all but I'm just like, I feel like there's some stuff here that's going to kind of shake out in a different way. You're going to be like, wait, wait a second. Like, I think one of those cards I sold today for, you know, probably 40, 50 bucks, it wouldn't surprise me if someday, like that's like a big time card because people are like, oh shoot, this is really rare and really important.
0: Yeah, it's It's one of our good friends on the channel who collects Puskas, for example, and I've been helping him a lot, like look through different, some of his cards. And it's amazing, even in five weeks, not alone five years, that the prices are, Doubling because people are realizing that this one sticker has got this back, and then there's a black version back, and then there's a back with nothing on, and it's the same sticker can have eight different variations, and one of them could be the only one in the world. And like you say, no one really knows this. <laughs> there's sets that you used to get in a carton of milk, as what like it's just like no one's ever gonna know it. So, do you think I've always said to the question of people that vintage is great, but hmm. no one really knows about? It. Can you see the vintage market really being a play long? Because if, I've, as I say to people, is where is these modern cards? Say a prism, you're getting to three nine nine to three fifty to three hundred. Some of these might only be thirty to forty in existence altogether, but because they're an older card, people still overlook them a bit.
2: Yeah, I mean it's supply and demand, right? Some of some of these cards are they're only a, a handful of them you know and so if people want them then they're going to be really really expensive so for sure it's a play but the thing i always try to remind people of is you know you look you mentioned basketball but i'll just stick with basketball for right now you take a player like i don't know john stockton who's an amazing all-time player his cards are dirt cheap dirt 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 cheap so like when you look at like the michael jordans of the world you know those cards are, are worth a lot of money but even okay tim duncan another guy who who's a I mean, I think generally agreed a top 10 basketball player of all time. His cards are once again, pretty, pretty dirt cheap, even though some of the supply of them is low. So I guess that's just uh, obviously vintage. That's more like, what is that modern or pre-modern vintage is a little bit of a different story, but um, you know, I I think people just need to be careful of that, that it it tends to only be once the players aren't active anymore. It's such a small handful of cards that are, that are still, still relevant. So, you know, like, you know uh, uh, sorry i'm not i'm not the most knowledgeable on vintage specifically but like investing in a in a rare eniesta rookie the supply will probably be low time will tell how much the demand will kind of be there though
0: oh, yeah i definitely do agree it's it's a much a flip of a coin when it comes to vintage that you can be very lucky and you can have five of one card and they go into demand mm. or it could go completely opposite way and just no one ever cares about it. but Obviously, this is opening a can of worms here because it can be talked about forever. And the difference between the UK and US, we'll we start with card shows. I'll let Harry talk about this because we've got, obviously, very fortunate that you've been to both sides of the pond to see the difference. And mm. from what you and Brian and multiple others, people said, there is a big difference. I'm going to hand over to Harry now because I think a lot of people are going to be very intrigued with some of the questions for this bit.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Ron's pretty much posed a question already or, or to you troy there it's like you come to london obviously towards the end of last year i think it was or middle of last year um mm-hmm. you know straight away were there I'm, i gather there must have been quite a few noticeable differences heading into the london card show as opposed to you know your dallas or you know your Burbank, et etc yeah
2: um, definitely, definitely a ton. I'm gonna try to keep it somewhat organized and go somewhat quick. I'll go with like just from my perspective, right? The 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 positives would be, like I said, not as much haggling, man. Like people will choke you out to save five dollars at a US card show. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, they'll do anything to save, you know what I mean, a little bit of money. So, like selling cards is a nightmare. People got a million different comps and like, geez, I mean, I want to make a whole podcast of just the stories people have told me for why my card should be worth less, right? They're like well, you know, uh, here's one, like, I'm trying to sell a Luca card. They're showing me a, a Jason Tatum from a different set that also happens to be green. I'm like, well, that doesn't really work. Does it for you to like, that's a little bit of a stretch for you to use that comp. Um, so that would be, that would be the, yeah, the, one of the good parts, easier to sell cards. Um, more community based, like everyone's a, a lot of people who walk up are just truly collectors like, hey, do you have any, do you have any Fulham cards like you, you'll you never hear that in a million years at a US card show you, you you won't even really to be honest hear like, hey, I'm looking for San Antonio Spurs cars like most people is like, hey, I'm looking to flip Doncic, Tatum that kind of stuff. Um The grading isn't as big of a thing like you said there's a a lot more raw cards like i'm still like i even still you know i went over the last though and i'll see like a a green musiala raw and i'll be like flipping it i'm like are you sure this is the right one like it's just so weird to see these type of cards or nice messy cards raw like you just don't see it um especially in good condition as well so i would say that um yeah the, the more wholesome community i would say one of the negatives for me personally though is well, it's not really just for me. It's, people can do whatever they want. But like um, people are high on their cards for sure. Like people are not going to if there's like a comp, like if you there's there's it's rare. Like if I walk up to a to someone at a like, actually, I put it in my last video, actually. Um, and, and no, like I said, the guy can sell. He can do whatever he want. And it was a guy, a dealer who was not willing to work with me on comps at all in the U.S. And that like and all the comments were like, wow, this is shocking. This never happens, blah blah blah. I'm not saying this. Yeah. At a at a UK car show, I'm sure you guys can tell me that's like probably more common than not, where someone's like, no, nah, I see the comp, but no, thank you. Like in the US, it's like people are trying to make stuff move. They're trying to, they're trying to get it done one way or another. So I would say that's that's probably the one thing where it's 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 harder. It's harder, it's a little bit harder to buy and get it at a, you know, you can you can 60% comps at US shows. Like you're never. Yeah, I've had some good deals in in the UK, but that stuff
1: like that is never going to happen. I think it, it must have been quite refreshing for you as well to come over to to a UK show and where you know it's probably fifty sixty percent football or you know soccer that as opposed helps, to yeah. in the US where you have probably got a very small margin of of soccer tables over there. Is that would you say that's quite an accurate representation? Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I
2: can't believe I didn't mention that. That's a great point, and it's it's so much. I, I guess I just kind of like. Take it for granted now, because I've, I've been there like a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, that's where the soccer and the football is. But yeah, especially there there's certain I guess because I do other sports as well. I'm, I'm not as conscious of it, but I know there's been a couple of times where, you know, Brian does pretty much exclusively soccer and we'll go to a U.S. show and he's like, there's literally nothing here for me. Like there's one guy who has a soccer table and like we couldn't work out a deal. So it's like, what do I do? So that's definitely that's definitely a big difference as well. Oh, I F- think yeah, F1 as well. There's a lot of F1 uh, collectors out there too.
1: Yeah, I think that's what I think that's that's probably a sport as a as a whole that is probably taking a lot of popularity within US and the UK as a as a collective where F1 is starting to creep back you know with the, with the season starting again back into back into the market. Um I think you know for me and Ronnie we can probably both agree that from our side from what we see you see through YouTube and free content that the US predominantly compared to the UK is very much more for trading. This is something that I think we would have said before we would, you know, we want to try and incorporate more within the UK and we'd love to see more of like, you know, part trade, part cash, or trade deals where we don't see it as often in the UK compared to what mean, I guess, from my from what I see that you guys mm-hmm. do more of in the US. Um That's interesting. That's
2: interesting. I, I I think I know where you're coming from, but I'll I'll slightly disagree with you in the sense that it does seem Like people in the UK, like sometimes it seems to me like, like doing deals just kind of for the heck of it, just because it's fun. You know what I mean? Like how it kind of started. So I do have a lot of, maybe it's just me, but people offer me a lot of, like people are trying to trade. They're willing to, I get a lot of trades done because a lot of times they're willing to give up cards that are maybe are worth a little bit more because they want to get a specific card into their collection and they're, they don't have like the cash. This is just people with a, a couple, some, a couple extra bucks they saved as opposed to like a US like flipping cash roll where they can just kind of like throw throw the cash around so i think because of that i have seen a little bit more trading but those those big time like half cash half
1: trade stuff i i I kind of know what you're saying but i i hope you kind of see like this stuff i'm saying too. Oh yeah, of course no, absolutely. Yeah, I guess you know we only see yeah. it from you know a content perspective as opposed to you lost, like, mm-hmm. literally be at at the shows. So um, yeah. no, I'll see it. It's great where you can sort of have these where you know we may see it from one perspective where you know you're almost giving us the reality of it from what we see through through content. So um, yeah, I think we'll see. I'll flip back over to Ronnie to go through you know the US versus the UK and everything else other than other than card shows.
0: Yeah, I think well, the massive.
1: Sorry,
2: sorry, I'm just going to interject one but while you're saying that I did think of it and I was thinking about the content I think you're right because um at, at the UK shows I do like when I have the cards on my table people are are giving cash and, and then in the US whenever I have it people are always trying to trade so that's that's definitely true I don't know why I didn't think about that but yeah like when people are looking for my cards in the UK it is mostly cash At card shows in the US people are looking to to trade and I also think that sometimes dealers in the u.s are a little bit more flexible with that as well like i think if i tried to trade with a dealer in the uk it may not go that well if i was trying to pick up a card so that that is a good point
0: yeah i think i think just touching on that i think that's the perfect one is obviously as harry said it's very different between what you see on content to what you actually see at a show you're seeing one mm-hmm. percent of the day and for us i remember going that last london card show and I wasn't really buying that much. I was a bit more intrigued. I was just asking people, would you do a trade for that? And I would probably say like four in five, probably not. But it's just mm-hmm. the mindset of a lot of people. They'd rather just get the liquid. They'd just say, right, get me the cash, and then I can reinvest in something else. But I've got to ask, obviously, this is slightly off top, but obviously you say soccer, F1, so obviously a lot more mm-hmm. prominent than our shows. How did you find like basketball and NFL? Because there's very slight. There's still stalls there that have American football, i can't not really much see baseball but american football basketball especially so would you actually surprised to still see some designated stalls and what was their pricing like obviously in comparison to the states
2: um i i guess i wasn't that I, it, was, it was about what i expected to be honest like i knew there was people who collected it i thought that there's definitely you know it's cool seeing like kind of like the intrigue around it because it's different right like people are like oh wow uh, you know, like seeing like a, a Kobe Bryant auto at at a, at a UK show is a big deal because it's just like same thing that what kind of interested me in soccer and F one. It's like a different world away from me. It's something new. So you so you definitely see that. Um, in terms of pricing, it's yeah, it's it's terrible. Like I I won't, I won't lie to you, but it makes sense, right? Like you got to think about how did those cards arrive in that person's possession? They didn't rip it. They didn't buy out someone's like that's how you get cheap cards in the us is someone ripped it or they bought out someone's collection for cheap i feel i I would have guessed that 90 percent of those those nice cards over there in the uk were bought through ebay they paid tax they paid shipping they paid import fees all that stuff so it doesn't really and also probably bought like a year or two ago or something like that too so it's kind of like it's not going to make sense for them to move it but especially below comp prices so I mean, it just kind of makes sense, right? Like it, the stuff there, there, there was there was definitely nice cards. It's not like, oh, there's just junk. There's nice cards. But it felt like a lot of people bought that kind of for their collection or something kind of to hold long-term. You you kind of, a lot of times to get those deals, you you need people who are ripping or flipping and just kind of like trying to get through it. And you don't really see that with uh, those type of cards uh, overseas. I'm very
0: much a keen fan of... Buying in the States, especially I have a DeAndre Russell PC, and I can tell you I probably mm. own 99% of all DeAndre Russell cars, were probably on the British Isles at the moment. Because, like you said, you <laughs> just don't see them. People are not buying whole collections out in the States, shipping them over to the UK and selling them off. It's a case of yeah, they're most likely buying your Currys, your Donkich, your LeBron's, the big names. So I I'm always get jealous when I see, especially, I see a store at the National on a video and it was, you got your old flick through boxes. And I'm like, oh this would be great to go through but it's like i say, it's a different world but then probably on the flip side there's people in the states that are looking seeing our flip-through boxes of soccer items thinking oh i wish that was over here so my question is obviously raw to graded because i've seen a lot of your videos and i know you touched on it earlier about a gentleman who didn't want to budge on so much prices of cards and he was hmm. pricing them at uh, psa 10 roughly i think it was i think you saying raw was like 250 area but he was asking 500 so do people normally comp raws a bit higher in the states on psa 10s or is that just like a bit of an anomaly for the overall scene
2: oh that was definitely um definitely an anomaly like most most people like people because because the thing is too is to be fair once again uh, geez, I this guy, like, I really have no ill will towards this guy. He can do whatever he want. I don't even think he was necessarily like out of line at all. But it was I know it was his first time setting up. Um, And you learn very quickly in this, like, if you're trying to price at you just won't move anything. So you, you, you pretty much or even if you're not a dealer, right, even if you're trying to walk up to a dealer or whatever you want to do, or on Facebook or on Instagram on eBay, it's just not going to happen for you. So no, that's that's definitely not like commonplace. Like people, People, people price it at raw. Like You're not going to find a single person who's going to pay PSA 10 prices for a raw card. So usually that doesn't really happen.
0: And my follow-up to that is, if at a normal show, obviously, there's not a massive set. Obviously, I know you deal with basketball, NFL mm-hmm. as well. But when it comes to soccer, is it predominantly graded in the States? Are you finding much raw stuff there? Or if it is, is it really minimal in comparison? Because it seems to me, at, especially like I said, when I see Brian uh, suddenly invest his videos, I'll see a, like a case, and I'd say probably 99.9 of all soccer cards are graded, especially higher end. So that's what I see. I see a one from the Dallas show of someone, and it was on the horizons. It was Color Blast. It was National Lamar, but all PSA graded.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think people uh, people try to bring what they think is going to move, right? And that's graded, high-end, Messi, Ronaldo, mm-hmm. you know, Pulisic, stuff like that. In general, there's not too many people. Like if you're going to be buying like a five, like I said, it's mostly it is like it's mostly like flippers and investors and stuff at at a lot of these big time U.S. shows. So like if you have a box full of five dollar raw soccer cards, like there's not going to be that many people going through it, to be honest, or at least there hasn't been historically. Um, So that's kind of why you see the more graded investment type pieces, because that's what people at those shows are looking for. Um, But there definitely is there's definitely I've actually found some good deals lately especially with with comps kind of dropping because a lot of times if you find a box of raw soccer if it's not Messi Ronaldo or Pulisic th- those and it's not a soccer dealer they just don't know the names so I'm trying to think like 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 OC Man, right you can find nice raw OC Man cars at US shows or I'm trying to think or like a, you know Goncalo Ramos like types types of guys like that like you can find those nice uh, cards at us probably even maybe even easier than than overseas because you guys actually know how good these players are so that's maybe like one example of an opportunity because people aren't as uh, well versed in the names and who's who's hot at the moment
0: yeah i was just saying it's very much an up and down market states i follow obviously a basketball a lot more than a hockey for example i know hockey market but when it comes to nba it's a manic market in terms of one player can have one good game drop 40 points, and you'll see his rookie cards, especially the higher sets like the NTs and Flawlesses will triple in value. Whereas the soccer market, you do see it happen occasionally. I think Gokaro Ramos, like you say, is a very good example. Mm. At the World Cup, his Merlin Chrome prices went ridiculous. I think you're seeing refractors go for like your $100. Do you think it's, like you say, collecting in soccer markets a lot bigger than the flipping at the moment? Do you see that in the prices as well? Because Where I've seen, like, I'm trying to think, like, Cam Thomas, for example, in NBA, who's a very good young player, but he's not anything out of the world. Whereas you look at a, a Bakayo Saka, obviously, for me and Harry, a massive fan who's playing top of level his game, got decent prices. But then you compare him to a young prospect in the NBA and they're like 15 times the price of his cards.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true, right? Like, I I definitely I get people who who message me all the time with certain theories, like, I don't even know, like, uh, I wish here, I'm really showing my lack of soccer knowledge here. But just like a Uh, someone let's this is totally made up I know I I don't know much about this player but like Brandon Williams I know has a bunch of like Manchester United cards just for the sake of it let's say he's he's supposed to move on loan to like a league one team or something like that they'll be like oh actually you know he's gonna uh, play up top and they're in their coach and he might actually score some goals and I'm like it's not gonna move the needle though like it really it takes a lot like just just where in 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 NBA it doesn't take a lot I mean I just sold like Josh Okogie, who who got traded to the Suns. And he's like, what, the seventh best player on their team? But like, there's been a noticeable uptick in his prices or Cam Thomas, as you mentioned, you know, some of these guys, I mean, let's not even talk about Brandon Williams, like, you know, Sokka or like or Odegaard, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure there's been some sales of of Odegaard cards, but like, uh, from what I've seen, his stuff isn't going crazy. And I feel like if he was doing the equivalent in the NBA, it, it definitely would be. Imagine if there was like Odegaard, NT rookies in the NBA, like what would those be? Especially from the his, imagine that—that's actually sick to imagine. Like Odegaard NTs would have been millions of dollars, and then when he was playing in the Netherlands or wherever the heck he was, they would have been like five dollars, and now they would be worth a ton again. Um, you just don't—you just don't really see that in soccer. It's—it's it's, like I said, it's, it is—it's more collecting. Like you don't see—you don't see the flipping, especially on the mid end, right? Like, and even I don't even know, like even like even on the high end, right? Like during the World Cup some of these guys popped off and nothing like what are Mbappe, Messi, like that didn't really do anything for their prices. So it's just kind of hard to say, right? It's, it's a weird market.
0: Obviously you're being based in the West coast, which is a massive player in American sports, especially the market Mm. prices and people, obviously you said before, like when you was originally, you collected a load of NFL and I've watched a lot of NFL collecting videos. And for people who don't know, there was like a quarterback. It's just an example a Kellen Mond, who was not playing, and then it's kind of overnight, his cards started going really much. He was in National Treasures, like you said, his rookies, going for thousands. And then the next morning, he was dropped from the, the Vikings, I think he was at. And like I said, it's just completely different, the American world of sports. Whereas you're getting the four or five-year contracts in football, You unless you transfer, you're going to be at the team. NFL, you could just – you could, NFL, NBA, MLB you could literally just be not in the league no more and playing somewhere that no one's even watching.
2: Yeah. And I think the numbers, like, if you, if you look at it, like stocks, right. To, to drive that volatility, like you need a lot of action and there's just not, it's not even close. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of like a player, like um, even, even I guess Kiesa. Okay. Here's one like uh, Moiskeen, like, good player relevant has a good amount of like if you think about the number of probably like fans he has in the world just general there's probably a ton of people but you know like sometimes i'll be with brian he's trying to buy like a moist keen or he, he bought a, like a one means 101 and i told him i was like that was that match attacks wasn't it yeah yeah but like literally how many people do you think are looking for Telemans cards on ebay i think it's literally like five or four like you can it's it's less than ten it's less than 10. And that's crazy to think about that your audience to sell this card, especially take a card like that, that's super high end, you're probably looking at literally two, what kind of position does that put you in? Like, that's the hard thing. That's what I always tell people, like, when you get outside the Ronaldos and the messies of the world, and like, sorry, if this sounds like pessimistic on the soccer card market, I'm not trying to be like, I think it's great. I'm, I'm actively participating in it. But the amount of people who are looking for these players who aren't the main main guys it's so so small it's like really really
1: small it's even like as a club though like Tillman's alone even Leicester is like a club you don't yeah. see very many Leicester collectors that, let alone Tillemans collectors so you like you know when you compare it to your, your Messi your Ronaldo's your, mm-hmm. you know your Mbappe's the market as you say is so much smaller for Tillemans let alone Leicester so you are even narrowing your market down even more like if you played for your Arsenal or City or United you know you're probably broadening the market a little bit more but where he plays for Leicester as well that market is even smaller than you probably could have originally thought playing for any other any other club yeah yeah 100% versus like I said like
2: you know take the most random name like Josh Okogie I'm sorry if people don't watch this don't know the NBA he's like once again the seventh eighth best player on the Suns was I think he was released by the Timberwolves, basically like a, a, a yeah. sorry, no disrespect, Josh. I'm sure you're watching this, but basically a garbage <clears> bin <throat> type player. The amount of transactions he's probably had on eBay in the past two, three months, You, it's, it'd be fun. I, maybe I should do a video on this. Like if we added up like, you know, Odegaard and um, Telemans and some of these, you know, players who are, re- are all-time greats, added them all together. I bet you it's more than like 10 very relevant soccer players uh, mixed together. So that's just something you always got to consider
0: especially at the moment, for people who don't know the NFL, it's basically everything's going mental, free agency and trading at the moment, building up to the draft and you've got big time quarterbacks going from team to team and you're getting players, I, was, I think I was watching one last night, Jalen Ramsey who was a defensive end, uh, defensive back sorry, for Rams, who's now going over the Dolphins, but his cards because he's a defensive player are cheap they're ridiculously cheap and it's weird how I. some people compare it to your likes of the Bruiners, for example, in the soccer market, that these are some of the best players in the world. But you can get their autos for 35 pounds. And it just don't it's it's very strange that like I've you've met a lot of you referred to it that there are some massive players who cars are just because they're not the Messi's and Ronaldos, just they're not really any value at all.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting, like as you mentioned, like Jalen Ramsey, another key part part of that market is like a lot of the people, so maybe someone who wasn't investable, like a Doncic or um or a Tatum or something like that. I sell cards all the time of like random players to people. And I'm pretty sure that they're getting them as gifts because they'll do like of like NBA, NFL players. It'll be like a buy it now of a $7. um. I don't even know. Like who's on, like, a, let's just say Kavon Looney. I don't know. I'm thinking of the Warriors. Like I know the person who bought that is not, investing in it but there it'll be like a you know it sounds like like sorry i'm making a generalization here it sounds like a grandma's name or something right it's like a female older name and i I genuinely think i'm like oh this is nice i see it's in the bay area i bet you they're probably buying it for like their grandkid or something as a as a gift where in, in in the uk like that's not as much of a thing you know what i mean and it's harder to ship and stuff like that so that's an interesting thing as well like a lot of these these lower tier there's there's a lot more collectors and gifts and it's more commonplace so like that's that's kind of a tough thing as well
0: obviously being in the bay area and obviously the warriors steph curry's one of the i just love watching steph curry obviously not as good as my team from la but obviously i'm wearing the water speed <laughs> just compare it like the basketball market is crazy obviously you refer to like jordan rookies mm. and that was quite an interesting thing for people who don't know obviously his main rookie is the fleer rookie but then They passed another one, which was from two years before 1985. It's funny how even in the modern day that PSA could just say, you know, actually, we're going to verify this. Obviously, the Fleer is still D card, arguably the most iconic basketball card of all time. Obviously, people look at Mickey Mantle for baseball. They look at MJ's Fleer for basketball. But do you see that a lot now that, especially basketball, it's Jordans, LeBron is a very strange one in the world that, He signed a deal without with not Panini, so he's got barely any autos. Probably when he retires, he'll get a set. But is it more a case of because there's such a more of a demand for basketball cards that they do branch out from not just the legends of the game, but like you say, uh, Kevin Looney or someone like that, that there is slightly more of a market for the more of the team player rather than just the superstars?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like, I, I wish I could articulate this better. But once again, we're we're really picking on, on Telemans here. But like, okay. who is buying one of his $10 cards on eBay? Like, I don't know. I, I just don't know that especially it's if the few people that are fans probably like live overseas. So it's going to be expensive for them to ship it as well, which is like a major consideration. Like, I always think I always talk about my videos, like when you think about like how you're going to sell it or like how it makes sense where, you know, if you buy, like I said, you know, people just love collecting warriors. Cause it's what we, we grew up with and there's a much larger market for it. So you're going to be able to sell your Wiggins, your Looney, your, I don't even know, even, even Ty Jerome, like people buy like Ty Jerome. Like these are just random warriors bench players. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, maybe we don't have to like get into too much rocket science about it. There's just more of a, there's more of a market for it. So we're in, we're in soccer. You know, if people are gonna spend money and ship it over and stuff, it's gonna be for something for those for those big names.
0: Yeah, I was just saying, obviously, you would be in a bit arrogant, but in America in general, card stores are not I'm not going to everywhere, but that in comparison to the yeah. UK, they're pretty much do you think that's another massive play? That people who own cars they can literally buy out thousands of thousands of cards and where is People in the UK, you pretty much you have to list it on eBay to sell a card, Mm. or go into a card shop. But then you're looking every two to three months. That having the option of being able to go into a bird bank, for example, who have thousands of cards coming in week in week out, it creates that so much easier flow of cards that I can walk into somewhere, pick the card up instantaneously after I have a good game, list it, go. That having that ease of demand of just walking into somewhere and getting a card is a lot easier than click buy wait for it to arrive and by the time it's arrived they could get injured so it's harder to flip it in the situation of you're really having to have a week to two week turnaround off a good game in the uk to be able to send a guard.
2: yeah yeah it obviously makes it i mean the, you know burbank like people talk about like that has single-handedly like created this whole um like la has this own like crazy like all the biggest flippers are like in la and people say like one of the biggest reasons for that is because of Burbank. Like, from what I've seen, they're like fairly fair. Like, if you if it's not like a a, a BS comp, you're gonna get at least seventy percent, and that's huge for just cash in hand. You know what I mean? So imagine if I'm, I don't even have like you guys probably know better than me. Imagine if any card you had, there's a comp, you can get seventy percent of it, and then that's like your worst case scenario. Like that opens up the door for so many more possibilities. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a million different reasons why, you know, flipping and stuff is is easier in the U S but I think that, you know, the card store getting cashed out and stuff like that, because it also seems like, I mean, you, you guys tell me, are, are there dealers in the UK who, who will cash you out like that if you walk up with a collection?
0: Very, very little. If it is, it's, and they will go with a fine tooth comb and they'll be like, I don't want that one. I'll take that one it would be, or you have to give them such a good price on the cards that they're like, that it'd be not even worth giving it to them. It's, it's, I would probably say off the top of my head, I can probably think of one, two, maybe a push. So it's just not a thing over here of, there's not a person that you say, Oh, they've got 50,000 cards in their inventory that they've got that stock built up. It's a case of people are probably getting them in from the States, getting them in from wherever Mm. else it is. And it, Probably most inventory at a time is probably going to be 500 cards at the top. It's that's what it's so weird and comparison. like even Burbank's an anomaly because it's they've got tens of millions mm. of cards, but the average card store will still have twenty, thirty thousand cards. So I honestly can't think of someone. I can't remember seeing someone in the UK say I'm buy. I'll buy you out. Can't remember.
2: Yeah no that's true because there's been certain times where i'm at these shows too and people will walk up with cards and for whatever reason i'm like hey i'm you know i'm a little low on cash right now or these for whatever reason like i don't do these type of cards as much probably make, i would i tell them like hey i probably will have better luck trying to sell it to someone else and then they'll come back and they'll be like yeah i had no luck at all like that's just surprising to me you know what i mean like if they're in the us show they would definitely like have gotten something but then they come back to me and I, I feel bad i'm like man i really don't want this but like there's there's no one there was no one who was like willing to cash them out so that's definitely another thing that makes it tough
1: i think potentially i think where you know your, your platforms like whatnot have been were so you know popular within the us and there were so many streams happening on there where people were just buying invent to put straight onto whatnot and now i feel like where it's gradually now starting to have a big impact in the uk scene you know, potentially within the next, you know, six to 12 months, you may start seeing an increase in people buying Invent to then put onto Whatnot on the the on UK aspect. You know, I could be completely in the wrong direction. Could we look at Stab in the Dark? But I feel like, you know, potentially where Whatnot has been around in the US for quite some time already, and there are a lot of card shops and, you know, people that do it as, as a day job where they're collecting this Invent to then put onto these streams, put onto their eBay, whereas, you know, maybe in the UK... We don't quite have as many of that over here. Um, so as I said, you know, maybe within the next six to 12 months, we may start to see an increase in people buying a lot of invent to do that. I could be wrong, but you know, it's just, I guess it's just a, a food to thought basically. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, things, things
2: are definitely going to change over there. I mean, I already saw it at like the second show, like people are like, oh, like, I, I I saw what you did from so I bought this and then I graded it and then I'm doing like they were telling me my strategies and there was a bunch of like people <laughs> running around the show doing that, or like, oh man, I, I went around and I bought all the top Chrome 2017 they had and like stuff like that. I'm like, oh god, I'm I'm creating <laughs> monsters. Like, I'm, I'm, see, I'm ruining this wholesome, this wholesome community that <laughs> they had, but Yeah, I think things are going to change, like, you know, some things for the better liquidity is going to be easier. Um, There's going to be more flipping, there's going to be more stuff available, you already see more product is is being released over there. So things things are going to change a lot. And like I said, some things are going to be good. But I think some things are also going to be bad, too. And you guys will probably know better than me, that'll be interesting to look back on this, maybe, you know, two years from now, and you're like, Oh, wow, yeah, things really did used to be like that, like a lot changed.
0: I even think within the 12 months that the podcast has been running, it's complete. The whole land, landscape of the UK hot has changed completely mm. already. And it's not a case of it's changed once. It Every few months, it's evolving, completely changing. And it's, whereas I normally see it like monitoring the US, like being a couple of years behind, sometimes it's like five, 10, 15 years behind on some things. And then some things is like a week behind, which is great to see. But, you was, um in the background of a very famous clip that went around the hobby at the last show, which is, I love I loved the clip. They've got hate on it. I loved it, where it literally it's <laughs> kid come up to Brian and he went, Well, watch uh, it. Do it for the money, which is great. <laughs> Honesty is the best policy in the hobby. It's great. Because a lot of people would say, Oh, I'm getting this card for my PC. Oh, can I get it for a bit cheaper? No, I'm going to resell it. So I'm going to ask you about your PC now. So have you got yeah. a PC? Uh, obviously people who watch your content will know what you do collect but have you got an actual PC as well as what you invest in
2: oh for sure um yeah but I've, I've I've videos about it on my channel so I'd invite everyone to check it out uh the main things I collect are obviously Wake Forest that's where I went to college so I collect um players who play there so in basketball like Tim Duncan Chris Paul John Collins who was my teammate and then also um Jack Harrison who, who plays for plays for Leeds so that's kind of a random one we were at school at the same time So those are four of the main guys. And then I also collect um, Filipino players. So like uh, Alphonse Areola. um, Alaba is Filipino as well. Uh, There's a couple guys in like the German league. And then um, just random like, sorry, soccer. Like I I follow the Barcelona Youth Academy. So like Christian Teo, uh, De La Feo, uh, Dennis Suarez, like a bunch of other random guys. So my PC is a little bit all over the place, but um, Alex Albon and F1 is another guy I really like that I I personally collect. I have I have a special box in my room, and it's like my my PC cards that that I kind of keep. And then I kind of have the two the only two cards that are kind of like the mix between investment and a little bit of PC are my Messi Messi Prism 2014 Blue and then Ronaldo Prism 2014 Red. Those are like the two. Those are probably the only two expensive like those cards. And then there's a handful of PC cards that I'm like, okay, I I really do want to keep these forever. Um, But I guess the main way that I'm different is like, I don't constantly buy, like, I don't feel like I need, I don't need a hundred John Collins cards. And that's why I kind of feel bad sometimes too, because people like, oh, I know you love John Collins. Like here's his card, like for a fair price. And I'm like, I I just don't really feel like I need it. Like I'm kind of happy with my like two or three cards. So I don't have like a ginormous PC, but um, it is something I do have
0: going to say having a teammate who's on a card that must be quite cool and obviously yeah. especially like Jack Harrison for example how obviously you come through the MLS he was at New York City like NYCFC, mm-hmm. before he'd moved to Man City and one of the very weird transfers that he was never going to play for a bit it was so fact <laughs> that they could get a few extra quid out the transfer but do you ever go to shows there and just because he was in the MLS people probably have like his chrome I think he might have even been in a Bowman I can't remember if he was in the Bowman set or not but mm-hmm. How is it trying to find, like, a Jack Harrison guy? Because I can imagine that it'd be very hard to pick up his kind of stuff. But then when you come over to London Card Show, you'd probably inundate. It'd be like flicking through and just be like, oh, prism to 99 for, like, three, four quid.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, like I said, there's not, I mean, how many you might find two boxes at a U.S. show that he could even possibly be in. Like I said, there's not going to be a lot of $5 raw soccer boxes. And that's kind of the stuff he would be in. So it's hard. You know, I was even thinking about doing some video ideas. Like I was going to do something where it's like, um, well, this one actually didn't, (laughs) didn't come off. Maybe you guys will like this one. I wanted to, um, message well I, I did message but no responses I tried like professional footballers and then have them tell me like which one of your teammates or which someone you collect or someone you well they don't collect but someone you believe in I'm gonna go try to f- buy their cards and you know if they had said like um even uh t- here's a good example Tosin, he was telling us to buy um who is it Carvalho who was on on yeah. Fulham. yeah like if he had told me that I, I probably wouldn't have been able to find one of these cards at a US card show so maybe Maybe it's a good thing that those guys didn't end up responding because that would definitely be a, a, a tough task compared to the UK shows. And and not to beat the US UK thing to death either. But you know, I, I said in one of my videos, what did I move? I moved. Oh, I moved Connor Gallagher cards when I was in the UK. I never in a million years would those move in the US.
1: Like it just it just wouldn't happen. It's a completely different scene. It's the same way that we see like you know we see Christian Pulisic over here. You could probably unless he's a Chelsea fan, you couldn't put him move. Uh, a Pulisic card over here it was in the US obviously he's seen as this you know American hero where all you guys in the US want to buy Christian Pulisic so it's different players like that Also, you know in the UK you probably couldn't shift him at all but in the US you could shift him with no tomorrow yeah I mean even more than that like you know talk about like Josh Sargent
2: or Anthony Robinson or some of these guys like <laughs> I had one guy like he's like ah, oh, you know here, like, here's a Josh Sargent card. I'll sell it to you for cheap. It'll be, it'll be hard for me to move it over here, man. Like, I thought it was kind of joking. I was like, oh, ha, ha. I was like, yeah, maybe. He's like, no, seriously, take it. I won't be able to move it. Like, whatever you offer me, I will take it. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then, like, I didn't even say. He's like, fifteen bucks, man. Just take it. I'm, just please take it. And I'm like, and it was like an Obsidian like RPA. Like, it was a really nice card. He's, he was begging me. He's like, I will never sell this in a million years over here. At least you'll be able to sell it. So, so even you know, at least pool such, like you said. Chelsea, there's some fans. There's people who know who he is, but you know Josh Sargent, like no one, no one's collecting him over there.
0: I'm gonna say uh, that was always an interesting one. Seeing like prices, US, UK, won't beat that dead horse anymore because we could talk UK, US for a long time. But obviously, looking just as you said, you collect basketball as well. Kent, it's it's a very hard market for that to crack the UK because it's like we said before, it's the sheer demand of. If you look at soccer out in the states, but mm. do you ever wonder if there's an actual market there? Because like you can get quite cheap, not quite cheap, but on average you can get the one dollar, the two dollar basketball cards, mm. and then you come over here. But is it going to be exactly the same thing as what we were saying about soccer in the states? Of out of the, say a thousand people in Sandown, probably ten are into NBA, and probably five are actually buying.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. Um I mean globally for sure I I can't speak with too much I think UK is probably actually on the lower end but I mean you talk about globally basketball is a huge game I mean I can even just talk about alone you know the Philippines where I live like there's millions of people who who are fans of the game of basketball do they necessarily know about cards or have the money to spend on it maybe not but I think that like basketball cards and and maybe not NFL because it's not really a thing as much overseas, but basketball cards, that market will grow overseas a lot. That's one of the things I've said too. Like, I think investing in, oh, here we go. He's back. Uh, he's back giving investment advice, tear him down. Um, but <laughs> like in, investing in a uh, like like Pau Gasol or Tony Parker, or some of these guys, like, you know, if you have a really nice, I, I think, you know, 20 years from now, there's going to be a lot, a, a, you know, 50X card collectors in Spain than there is now. And maybe they're going to be looking for, you know, these really nice Pau Gasol cards and stuff like that. So I think that's a little bit of an opportunity there. Who does England, I don't even know, who's what, what, who's who's England's best players that we can collect?
0: Luau Day.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> there the, you go.
0: That's the, uh, OG Ananobi as well, actually. He's oh, he's from the UK? I thought he was yeah. from Canada. Oh, I guess no, exactly. Raptors. I was just thinking yeah. Raptors. David. He was originally from UK, off-wise. I'm Trying to think, there's not many others. That's what I'm trying to film. It's up my head there isn't yeah. many others. I do. We have
2: we have two players on from the UK on on Wake Forest right now that are actually really good. You have to. um KD even tweeted about him. Um, Cameron Hildreth. You'll have to look that up maybe after we'll the do. pod. But he's from the UK and he's a he's a really good player.
0: As I say, like especially basketball in Europe is massive. You look at mm-hmm. especially Eastern Europe, but it's obviously now helping a lot with the likes of Luca, Yanis that the European scene is getting brought brought up and hopefully it does reflect that in the long run. I know people who went to Germany show said there was quite a bit more NBA in Germany mm. than there was in London. So it's that's another factor of is once mainland Europe takes the cards as well, like you say, Spain, France, there's a load of big countries Italy for being one of the most influential in the scene of having Panini as their home for all them years that it's still really just a drop in the ocean of who actually does collect in europe and it's one of them that if it does explode what people hoping it does who knows what it could be like in five to ten years time like you just said
2: yeah i mean and and fanatics has said it right like it's not a guarantee but they want to 10x the hobby and i think for that to happen a lot of that has to be overseas growth and they put the money into it they're they're really smart i mean the world is more globalized like I would just imagine even even 10 years ago the the business of of shipping and doing distribution in, in Europe would have been a, a substantially harder. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll I think it'll happen. I think it's only a matter of time.
0: And the last thing card related, obviously, there is a few London card shows coming up. Is there a plan to come back over to the lovely raining island of Britain to get another card show?
2: Oh, here you go. You gave me the perfect we were joking about this before I need everyone to go to my eBay store so I can get out there. Um, (laughs) No, but I mean, I really want to do you know what it was too? they had cheap flights, they had direct round trip. And it was like, it was $665. And I should have just bought it. actually, Brian, I hope you made it to this part of the podcast. I told you we should have booked it. And then you were dragging your feet and now it's $950. So for anyone who's watching, it, it is actually I'm, I'm kind of not joking. It's a good amount his fault if we don't make it over there. Um, But I want to I I will 100% be back in the next six months for something. I think people talk about like Amsterdam or Paris or something like that. So I will I will definitely be back. I really want to go to London. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something, uh, what, what not UK, who do we got? What what other sponsors we got over there? eBay UK. If anyone wants to wants to make it happen, I, I want to do it. It's just, um, it's also just so much traveling. Like my next three weekends are Chicago, uh, LA and then Vegas. And then I think I would have one weekend off. And then I would basically have to go to the UK. Like I almost, that last London show, like I almost, I almost died. Like I really, I really felt that way. Like, it, part of it was my fault because i went out the night before but like i, I think i I've, I've just kind of had to like recenter myself so i, I definitely want to be back over there and and i will be sooner rather than
0: later as so, i say, so now completely away from cars obviously you took in london and its sights how how did you find london in general just completely away from the hobby because we like to hear other things as well from people in the hobby so how did you find london in general like of course it could be very different and especially after the. I don't even know how many hours he was on the plane to finally relax and then actually go on a mini European gallivanting tour as well.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, it was great. I mean, obviously we had the best tour guide who has ever lived, Ronnie. The man, the man with actually it was the just, reason he's brought like,
1: that up. By the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah that, that seemed very like <laughs> what if what? If, I mean, I spent a good amount of my time in London with you, so what if I was like, man, it kind of sucked. Like the people sucked. Like it was Podcast dirty. But well. never so, gone He's like,
1: just doing my head in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There was this <laughs> weird guy who kept following me around We've and he kept to pointing see from out. Signs. Cards. Yeah. 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 He kept throwing cards at me. Um, no, it was actually it was it was great. And it was a lot better than I expected. I guess maybe because like, I mean, my mom, like you kind of know how moms are, like they get easily like sketched out. I guess she probably just had one bad experience in London. She's like, Oh, be careful over there. It's sketchy, like you're gonna get knifed, like all this kind of stuff. Um, so my expectations were were really low but I loved it oh my god and I loved it so much like just exploring around it was like I mean maybe you just took me to the right areas but like it was cleaner than the U.S. to me like the it was it was relatively it was affordable compared to the U.S. Um, then also just the people everyone is so nice so welcoming I can't I can't explain it too. like the at the last London car show I went out and um, oh man like it's a little south of london like it's not it's in london but it's not um london it's not like outside london like not surrey it's like it was towards the card show it was um uh not oh clapham
0: oh oh very yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes it was different i went out there and i liked it because it was more it was not like there was i was i asked i was like hey like how many other Americans do you think are in here? And she's like, zero, definitely zero. <laughs> so that I, I just can't explain it, but that was like one of the best nights out I've ever had. Like just the energy and everything was unreal. Obviously connecting with, you know, you guys and stuff. Like, I love it. I was telling Brian, like, I want to move. Like I'm I'm trying to be out there. So I'm I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan. And just Europe in general. Oh, now I'm getting in my fields. I really want to go back. Like <laughs> Spain, Mallorca, man, I love it. I, I love it so much. I just love new experiences and like, to be able to do it through cards is just, is just unreal. Like it's, it's really, really great.
1: Yeah. you see everyone head over to choice eBay <laughs> to make this
2: happen, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, because we always, we always have a fun time too. Like, you know, when we went around and everything, we're gonna have to get uh we're gonna have to get you in there next time as well. Um, and yeah. We'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to come over next time and sing, and get involved with it. Yeah. It's, it's always, it's always a fun, fun time. I would say it's a, it's a good group. It's a good group of guys too. Like I like the, the, the guys in, in the scene you have over there it's like you know we're fun and also like I mean I'll speak for myself like people who um people who collect cards tend to be like a little bit more like on the nerdy sign or whatever but like we went out I'm like man everyone's fun like everyone's cool like everyone knows how to talk everyone knows how to like have a good time like it's,
0: it's great you know I was going to say there was one other very dangerous venue for you in London, which was the classic football shirt store. And for oh, people yeah. who don't know, in the states, it's especially you can get like the newest shirts, but when it gets to the retro stuff, it's not as thing. So even like that as well is another attraction because I know you was debating a lot of stuff in there, and then a lot of the price tags you looked at, and you thought, "Wow, that is not too cheap."
2: Yeah, yeah, it was expensive. That was that was a dangerous uh, store for me. Also, I got, you know, even just early, we were walking around They had like this sick, I got a sick uh, vintage Bayern Munich uh, jacket, which was cool. I ended up wearing for the Germany show. So that so that ended up perfectly. I think that's the thing, too. I just got to. I think that's the other part, too. Like, I just love it so much. I'm gonna, it's not just the plane ticket. If I go to Europe, I'm like, well, you know, I have to have to go to Spain while I'm over there. And then I just end up spending too much money. So that's, that's, that's part of the problem. But I'm definitely going to be back and I'm looking forward to it.
0: We can't wait to have you. And obviously you have just mentioned your eBay, but as we like to do with everyone's honey, you can plug away as much as you want. So make sure you tell everyone where to find you YouTube, Instagram, eBay, whatever you want to plug, feel free to do it now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely just joking about it. don't check out my eBay store. Don't yeah, don't, out, don't yeah, enable this. <laughs> don't enable this flipping culture, these dirty American <laughs> flip. Don't don't encourage them. Um, no, but check out, check out the YouTube channel, uh, track 415 sports cards. Um, I don't know what's that. Oh, you know what? I, I, there's one thing I always do like to plug, uh, follow my personal Instagram if you can at Troy, right? Cause then you can kind of like, a lot of times I kind of, I don't post on my card Instagram a lot. So people will be like, Oh, I didn't even know you were in the UK. I didn't know you were in Germany or stuff like that. Like if you follow me on that Instagram, you can kind of just see what I'm up to. And I try to do post some card related stuff. And then when I'm going to be going to Europe and stuff like that. So. Definitely follow
0: that. Like we say, they will all be down below on the YouTube and Instagram anyway. But, Troy, thank you ever so much for joining us on this episode. As we say, you're always more than welcome for a tour. And no doubt, if Harry comes along, we'll turn into like a pub tour or something a bit more interesting. You've seen the sites now, so we show you. But you are welcome on whenever you'd like on the Top Loader podcast. And yet again, thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I think we we t- we kind of mentioned a game last time. So the three of us, and we'll get Brian in there. We should go to a game or something. That'd be really fun.
0: Definitely, we can get that sorted. Definitely, we'll get that sorted. And then, what mm-hmm. is whoever plays well that game, we invest in their cars and realize no one else is buying them. So, it's
2: <laughs> well, I mean, but the good thing is, if we're there, then we we get the organized pump and dump going. So you just kind of like <laughs> tell us, like, listen, we're gonna buy this guy, pump him up on the YouTube channel, and then that's paying for the tickets, and then we're good to go. <laughs> uh,
0: but. <laughs> anyone else listening to that that did not just happen so when you <laughs> see a really random player start just cut them, that
1: bit out cut that bit out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: just, we magically go to one game josh sergeant scores a hat trick it's
1: perfect
0: <laughs> everything all the worlds <laughs> collide but as you say thank you everyone for joining us so far make sure you do go below and to find links for everything related to troy and obviously it's youtube instagram everything like that Obviously, mine and Harry's links will be down below as well. But until you we'll have next... to put
1: Troy's eBay in the bio as well, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> just, I'll just I'll
0: have it on the screen the whole time. <laughs> yeah. right. It better be the top. It, it better be the link in the
1: corner. It better be the top line too. Like
2: I want, like big arrows. Like all your, all your guys' stuff can go to the very bottom. It needs to be the, in bold. My eBay at the top.
0: Yeah, I love that. funny thing is, he's, he's actually laughing and joking, but then when it goes live, he's going to see it and be like, "Oh, we've actually done it." So. <laughs> but like yeah, I say, we'll thank, thank you everyone for joining for another episode of Top Note Podcast. Hope everyone out there is doing well, staying safe, but most importantly, happy hobbying and good night.